Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I am happy to be with you today to talk about a topic that's very timely. We are uh, at Mara Poling are right now closing on our latest acquisition. Uh, very excited about that. And wanted to share with you some thoughts on lenders under the title, Your Lender is Your Friend. Now, I've mentioned this before in some of our other podcasts. You've seen it in some of the updates that we've sent out, as well as a few of the webinars that we have uh, had where we talk about acquisitions and underwriting and uh, that entire process. This notion of your lender being your friend to some people seems odd. Uh, there are individuals out there uh, and firms probably that uh, do this kind of investment work that think of lenders as being a hurdle that needs to be cleared or an impediment that needs to be uh, managed in some way or, or in some instances, the outright enemy. Uh, and, that's just, um, and that's just not the case. Your lender really is your friend. They're an important part of the acquisition process. And I don't mean because they're gonna write a check. That's obviously a critical portion of getting your project done. When we go to purchase an asset, we're looking at a lender to play a significant role financially. But that's not the real value they offer. Uh, the dollars are nice. The real value they offer is in the perspective they bring to the table and how they can help us not only think about this deal more critically, but improve the critical thinking we use on all of our acquisitions to help us improve each and every single time that we go through this process. So with that in mind, let's, let's walk through a few of these items uh, and, and see what you all think uh, in terms of how they make, uh, how they make sense. Uh, again, this is from the standpoint of Mara Poling uh, for the acquisitions that we do. Those of you that are doing this kind of work on your own in the single family or residential uh, space, uh, you'll be able to glean some value from this. Uh, absolutely, those of you that are looking to make investments in the multifamily space uh, with firms like us or even with us, uh, these are good topics to be able to, one, understand, and then to be able to uh, chat with your prospective asset manager about in terms of how they view this and how they go about uh, uh, using these things. So this is shared from our uh, perspective and our point of view. Well, number one, uh, and this is, a, I think, a great perspective to simply have is the lender is going to write the biggest check of anybody that's involved. You know, unless you're using some uh, very, very modest kind of leverage, which, uh, again, we wouldn't necessarily advocate putting 20% leverage on a project. If you're going to do that, you might as well just pay cash. Um, the lender is going to write a check bigger than anybody else, uh, certainly bigger than any one investor and collectively larger than all the investors uh, put together. So they have a great deal at stake. Yes, they're first in line because debt comes before equity. If things ever went off the rails somewhere, uh, that doesn't really lessen the risk they have associated with this. Now, again, they're writing the biggest check. And I think sometimes because they're writing the biggest check, that can lead to that thought of, 
So how do we get approved? Uh, how do we get by them to get our approval? Or how do we get over this hurdle of getting approved? Instead of like we do, uh, and what we would encourage folks to do is embrace them. Uh, you're gonna buy a $10 million property. The lender's gonna write a seven or a seven and a half million dollar check. Embrace them. Thank you for putting that kind of money into our project. We welcome your involvement. Let's have this conversation. That's, that's the place it all starts. So the things that a lender cares about are the exact same things you should care about. They're the things that we care about. Uh, lenders don't have checklists because they like having checklists. There are some things that lenders will do because of the uh, type of loan that you might be uh, working on with them. The overwhelming majority of debt that we use on our uh, assets is agency debt, so uh, 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 Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, uh, and <clears throat> pardon me, and uh, and there are standards in terms of documentation and a number of other things that need to be done in order to get through that. Uh, some of that may be kind of administrative. Uh, the overwhelming majority of it is because there's real value in it. Um, those are some of the hardest loans to secure in the industry. It's one of the reasons we like using that debt. If we can pass muster there, then that gives us a lot of confidence that the project we've put together makes a great deal of sense and has an appropriate amount of risk relative to the returns that we're trying to, uh, to put together. So what the lender cares about is what you should care about. If, if you're on top of the game, and it's something we really strive to do, and this is why we try and learn from each and every acquisition we do, your acquisition process is designed in such a way in which you're already caring about those things. So that when the lender asks, can you show me a certified rent roll that validates exactly what's going on at the property, not what the seller says is going on, but that you've actually inspected, if you've got to run off and go create one, great, you're gonna get the data that you, that you ought to have. If you're on top of your game, you've already got it. And that's one of the items we put together in our initial due diligence package is to go out and do a certified rent roll. So that's just an example of uh, the kinds of things they may care about that, that uh, you want to care about. So let's start with uh, the place that most folks go to when they think about lending, and that is the underwrite. So the lender is going to ask for input from the sponsor. Uh, we provide them with a variety of different uh, data points. I just mentioned the rent roll. Uh, there's usually a trailing 12 set of financials. And they'll look at those items along with what we are suggesting the first years or first several years expenses will be. Most notably among those, uh, especially in the markets that we're active in, a lot of the expenses are going to be similar to what the T12 showed. So these would be things, for example, like uh, utilities and some of the monthly services like landscaping and so on. Generally, those aren't going to swing dramatically from one uh, property owner, one investor to the next. Uh, the one item that will move fairly significantly is going to be taxes, especially if it's a property that's been held for a longer period of time. There's potentially a pretty healthy swing in terms of property taxes. Uh, and then there'll be some other items that'll shift simply because of change in management philosophy. The seller may have uh, had a different notion of how to maintain the asset 
and may have been putting different amounts uh, into repairs and maintenance and other items than what you'll be forecasting. So we put that forecast together. Um, and while we do give the lender a forecast of what we believe is gonna happen revenue-wise, the lender's more or less gonna look at what the trailing 12 and in particular what the trailing three um, revenue has looked like. And they're gonna count on that. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense because when you first acquire an asset, even though you've got a great value add strategy and our assets do, and you've got a strategy to add some additional income and often our, our assets do, that doesn't happen day one. You're not gonna, the day you close, snap your finger and have 75% of your units upgraded, generating that higher rent. It's not only gonna take time to perform those upgrades, but that's gonna be not only spread out over time, but that's gonna feather out the increases in rent that you're gonna see. So it will take time for that to have an effect, which means out of the gate, the cash that's coming in is a function of essentially the revenue that's been generated in the last few months, what that run rate looks like. So the lender's gonna start there. Uh, you don't wanna argue against that, right? We, we embrace that again. It's like, that's a great point. Mr. Lender, Mrs. Lender, thank you for helping us see that. And we want to take that into account so that we're not getting ourselves in a position where we've got a project that performs well over time, but it really struggles or actually performs negatively coming out of the gate uh, because you've got this revenue lag, if you will, that needs to be um, that needs to be dealt with. So that's one portion of the underwrite. Again, the expense piece is another. As if any of you have been listening for any length of time, you know we're pretty conservative at Mara Polling. Uh, and uh, when we underwrite, whether it's revenues or expenses or any of these, we're gonna be on the, on the lower risk side of those numbers. So uh, we'll forecast a little heavier in terms of repairs and maintenance. Uh, we'll probably forecast a little higher initial growth in some of the expense items. Uh, we're almost always, actually I can, I can say right now, we've, we've always been on the conservative side of taxes. Uh, we forecast, I think, pretty well there uh, and end up in a position generally where we do uh, underrun on the tax side and have a, a, a positive, pardon me, a favorable variance, like using that term instead. Um, so when we put those together and give them to the lender, it's a great place for us to start. A, a good measure of your underwriting is uh, how often does the lender come back and say, uh, you're being too aggressive here, or we don't agree with these inputs, we think they should be this. And how many times do they come back and say, that's fine. Or say, you know, we think you've even got a little bit of room here. You, you may be, you could probably put a little more money in there and that's not a, that's not a big deal. Uh, the latter two is what happened to us. Uh, when we work with lenders, uh, we have yet to have an experience where a lender has said you're being too aggressive uh, or you're expecting too much or you're not putting enough uh, money in, you're, 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 you're off in some meaningful way here. Uh, we've had very positive feedback about our underwrites, and I think that ties back to this conservative nature we have. Now, we didn't get there by virtue of just waking up one day and being conservative. Part of how we've honed that is through ongoing interactions with lenders where we continue to learn what they think about underwriting. And then we've been able to learn from that and add that into our underwriting methodology. So 
even before you get to a lender, underwriting should be done in a manner in which the thought is, what's the lender going to think about this? And I always like to think, um, I'm sitting here as the manager of the MAR polling total return fund. If I've got one of my investor clients, maybe one of you that are listening today, sitting next to me, and you're looking at what I'm uh, doing in terms of the underwrite and some inputs that I'm putting in, and the lender is sitting next to us uh, both, uh, that we're all going to be on the same page. And that the investor in particular is going to say, great, if the lender's good with that, then I'm really comfortable as well, and I'm going to sleep well at night because I know that while they wrote a $7.5 million check on that $10 million deal, I only wrote a $25,000 check uh, to get into the fund or something like that. So um, so I think that's a great place to, um, uh, to start is the underwrite. Another would be insurance. So the lender is going to ask for uh, an insurance policy. Show us what you've got in the way of coverage. And... Uh, and you've all had this experience, right? So if you're not in the real estate arena, if you're not a real estate investor in an active way, or you've not had this kind of conversation with a sponsor about insurance, everybody's got car insurance. And most of us have had car insurance on a, on a car that we've had a loan on or a lease. And in those instances, you don't get to pick what the insurance is, right? You, the, the lender, the bank that owns your car effectively says, here's what you've got to have in the way of coverages. And oftentimes it'll, it'll focus on things like deductibles and a few other items that might be different than what you might personally do. Um, they're not going to care if you have roadside service on your insurance policy, but they're going to care if you have a $2,500 deductible versus a $500 deductible because that's their car, right? That they've loaned you money against. Um, lending in the multifamily space is the exact same. Uh, they're securitized, especially these non-recourse loans that we use are securitized by the uh, asset itself. So making sure the asset is uh, in good shape and protected is important to them. Uh, and you know what? It's important to us too. It's important to our investors and it's important to us that we have the proper coverages for the various events that might take place, that we have the right amounts in place, that we have the appropriate um, uh, amounts identified for replacement, uh, the revenue loss uh, protections, all the rest of those. So insurance is one of those areas where if the lender sees something different than us, we embrace that. We want to, great, help us understand why, because uh, if that's something that you see value in, then uh, it's something we're going to see value in as well, by definition. Uh, a clean title. Uh, as we go through the whole process, you know, the lender's looking at a bunch of different things, just like we are, as we're doing all the due diligence. And one of those is the lender doesn't want to make a loan and then find out that they're actually not in the first position when it comes time to deal with a negative outcome that has occurred. So having a clean title is really important to the lender. Well, having a clean title is really important to us. Now, none of this means that we don't do any of this work and we just let the lender do it all and rely on them to find uh, these problems, these issues. We're doing the exact same thing, right? Our our team is going through it. Our uh, legal staff is is going through the work. We're working with the title company. Uh, we're doing all the exact same things the lender is. Uh, so these are happening in parallel. 
having both of us doing that work significantly increases the likelihood that one of us may catch an issue. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we want to do that. That also extends to some of the inspections. So uh, surveys, uh, especially if they're older, uh, getting a new survey put in place. Uh, physical inspections, you know, everything from the due diligence. So we go out and perform our due diligence at the site, walk all around, look at all the units. Uh, in that due diligence, we will often identify areas where we want to have a third party inspector that's more um, uh, specific uh, to come look at something. For example, we might have a, a geotech uh, uh, engineer come out if there's some soils issues that we see on the property somewhere. Uh, the lender is going to have a similar inspection protocol. They're going to come out uh, separate from us. Uh, we may be with them when they do it, but they'll come out separate from our due diligence and they'll do an inspection of the property and they're looking to identify similar items. Um, that's great. We've got two different sets of eyes looking at the same uh, potential acquisition. All of us looking for, okay, is there an issue here that either A, is, is going to preclude this deal from getting done, which that would be in everybody's best interest, right? If you did find something that was a significant issue, better to kill the deal. And yeah, everybody, everybody has spent some time and money, but we all walk away uh, none the worse for wear, as opposed to uh, we miss something or we overlook it or we kind of ignore it. And then we have an issue down the road. And now we have a problem that's, you know, orders of magnitude larger than being being out a few dollars and a few hours of uh, investigations from that standpoint. Another area that the lender will ask uh, to see uh, and make sure that we're on top of is, you know, kind of transition. <laughs> How's this going to work? You know, are you, are you guys all set? Uh, are all the agreements in place? So we use third-party property management firms. Those, those are firms that provide our on-site staff. Uh, we pay for those folks, right? They're part of our team, if you will, from that standpoint, because they work solely for us. They're not shared with other assets or other, um, uh, other firms. Uh, but we hire them through these third-party property firms. And then the third-party property firms also do some day-to-day uh, -day bookkeeping and some other uh, activities uh, for us. Well, you have to have an agreement in place with those folks. And that agreement, the lender's going to take a look at as well. And they want to take a look and make sure that that agreement uh, meets all the standards that they have. If they find something that's uh, missing, we're all ears. Great. What did you find that's missing in that agreement that we ought to be looking at as well? So again, a, a really good uh, value there. Uh, the last item I would mention, and by the way, any of these things that I'm going through, I know I'm moving a little quick. If you've got questions about any of them or how we handle it. So, you know, I didn't understand that title thing. Tell me more about how that works, Pat. Or, um, you know, I am thinking about making an investment and, you know, maybe Mara Poling's a, a firm you're thinking about. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're thinking about talking to somebody else and you want to understand more about this underwriting process I just described. You know, how are how are you all underwriting such that the lender is saying we agree uh, and, and what kind of questions should I ask? I'm, I'm happy to chat with you about any of those things, as well as obviously about uh, Mara Poling. All you got to do is shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And I'll be happy to uh, to chat with you. We can correspond via email uh, or we can set up some time to, to hop on the phone. Uh, always happy to do that. And as I said, if you do have some interest uh, after hearing this uh, about learning more about 
Mara polling and our fund and uh, you know sort of all the different things that we do in this uh, multifamily space again shoot me an email pat at morapolling.com so the last item that I have on my list and this is just a quick little list I put together there's there's many many more items but this is the last one I wanted to talk about today is reserves so when you get a loan in this space uh, you don't just make a principal and interest or an interest only payment. Some loans are interest only for a period of time. Um, but you don't just make that debt service payment. There are other dollars that go every month from us to the lender. Um, and those cover, uh, generally speaking, three areas, property taxes, insurance, and capital reserves. So property taxes, if you've ever had a um, uh, a mortgage on your house where you've had an impound account, right? So you bought the house and at closing, they you had to give them a certain amount of money that they put into an account, like a bank account for you, for your property taxes. And then every month you pay a certain amount above and beyond your principal and interest, and that goes into this account for taxes. Then when the tax bills do, that money comes out and it goes and pays the tax bill. That's a way for the lender to sleep well at night knowing that there's not gonna be a property tax issue at the property. Now, our assets are structured the exact same way. We pay property taxes through what we would all normally call an impound account or a reserve or an escrow account in, in this parlance. Um, so every month we're sending them some money for taxes. That helps the lender feel confident that, great, when it comes time to pay the tax bill, the money's there. Well, that's good for us too, right? Um, could we not do that and simply keep track of it and be in a position when the tax bill comes to just pay it? Sure, that's honestly quite likely, right? Uh, hard to imagine there'd be an issue. However, you get a lot of things going on and the next thing you know, a dollar goes here, a dollar goes there, and it's time to pay the tax bill. And it's like, hmm, we've got a big tax bill and we only have half the money to pay it. Why? Because you weren't as religious about setting it aside as you should have been. So having a reserve account like this is extremely beneficial. We like that process. Uh, and the lender provides a great service by doing that for us and setting that money aside and we can see it every month and we do a reconciliation. So we're all on the same page. So that reserves works great. Insurance is the exact same way. And so you're probably used to paying your homeowner's insurance just personally. You get, a, you get your homeowner's bill for $1,000 or whatever it is and you write a check to State Farm and off it goes and you're all taken care of not a State Farm commercial, maybe you have Geico or somebody else, whoever you have your insurance with. Uh, for us, as we said earlier, insurance is a really important item to have in place. It's one of the items the lender is gonna be reviewing and looking at before the close. So in, in that situation, uh, they wanna make sure that we not only have a good policy, but it stays in full force and effect because it's actually getting paid. And the way again to do that is with this reserve uh, account, which works really well. The final reserve item is um, uh, CapEx reserves, capital improvement reserves, capital repairs. Uh, there's a lot of different terms that can be uh, used for it. 
what it means is this, is there's a certain amount of money every year, forget about reserves for a moment and lenders and anything else. There's a certain amount of money every year that is going to be put into the property that is capital, not expense dollars. So this isn't going to uh, a unit and doing a repair on somebody's toilet or their garbage disposal or something like that. Those are those are expense dollars. This is, uh, we have to go replace something. So an air handler on an HVAC unit gives up the ghost and it needs to get replaced. Well, that's gonna cost some dollars, right? Where do those dollars come from? Well, we keep reserves ourselves and we have a capital fund that we're able to draw from. So we have money to be able to do that. Again, think of yourself as the lender. The lender has made a loan in the example I used that. $10 million property. They've made a $7.5 million loan on an asset that that's their recourse is to get that asset back. Well, how do I, um, how do, I do that if the asset hasn't been appropriately maintained? So the way to do that is to say, uh, buyer, you're going to give me, Mr. Lender, a certain amount of money every month, and I'm going to hang on to that. And as you uh, deploy capital, as we just described, replacing an air handler or other capital items like that, then you can submit those invoices to me, the lender. We'll review them and then we'll package those dollars up and give them back to you to reimburse you for what you've done. So there's an incentive there to do the work that you need to do to maintain the asset. So that's one element of it. It's a great incentive to make sure that you're doing it. It's also a nice easy way it's sort of a pay yourself first right many of you have probably uh, uh, read lots of different places uh, uh, you know wealth books that will say step one pay yourself first so when you get your paycheck put some money in your savings account right do that first and then what's left you'll figure out how to manage because if you don't do that there'll, ne there'll never be anything left for you to put away this is kind of that same philosophy uh, when we get all this income that comes in, tenants pay rent, we pay expenses, we pay the debt service. We also set this money aside. We don't just set it aside ourselves, we actually give it to the lender. And that then gives us a pot of money. And while it might not seem significant, over the course of say a five-year hold period, you could be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in capital that are available to use to keep the asset healthy. Now that's different than the capital for things like uh, the, the value add improvements that we would make on an asset. And we can talk about those some other time when we hit value add. Um, but this is uh, simply looking at this in terms of the, of the lender relationship. So again, uh, another real benefit. We've got some really good material on this and a whole host of other items at the Learning Center at marapolling.com. By the way, we've got an update coming to marapolling.com pretty soon. I think you'll all be pretty excited when you get a chance to uh, see that, but the good old site is still there and up and running. Uh, so please stop by the Learning Center at marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com, and you'll find some good material there. There's some items you can download that'll help you uh, uh, further your understanding of this space. As I said, if you have some interest in learning more about investing with Mara Polling, I'm happy to chat with you. And if you have questions about anything we talked about today or anything that you'd like us to talk about, right? any suggestions for upcoming topics, I would be um, 
happy to hear them. So you can email me, pat at morapolling.com. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's session on Your Lender is Your Friend. And I hope that you join us next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Polling. Mm -hmm.